Hey everyone, this is Zane Lowe from Apple Music. Just spending a couple of seconds before we get into this interview with Billie Eilish and her brother Phineas just to tee it up for you. We flew to Paris, walked out into the streets into a beautiful late winter, early spring day and spent, you know, a good couple of hours walking around while she took photos and caught up with some of her fans, just capturing some of the more in-depth themes behind the making of this debut album. And this is really at a time when Billie Eilish is about to change the world with her music. So it was a very special moment for myself, her and her brother Phineas to catch up and talk about when we fall asleep, where do we go? We hope you enjoy it. I've had this conversation with quite a few artists throughout my life. Mm-hmm. And we've had varying degrees of this kind of conversation of sort of what does it feel like, you know? But these moments are pretty rare. Like, I don't want to spook you guys, but this is like, this is a moment. Like, I feel like there's a lot of people waiting for this album. There's a lot of people excited about your music. And so I guess one more time for the people, like, how do you feel right now being the kind of person you are, the age and point in life that you're at, about to kind of do this thing for real. (laughs) I really don't know because I don't, because I'm not not in this place. Mm. So, you know, it's like, it's like saying like, how does it feel to be you? Mm. I don't know how it feels to be someone else. Mm. So I don't know how it feels to be me. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And like, I don't know, I think I just have to sometimes sit back and actually look at what's going on. Like in um, Stockholm, mm. it was like one of the most like peak, I guess, life experiences I think we've had. And I just was standing on that stage. I took my in-ears out um, and I just looked at the crowd and they just, just soaked it in. Soaked it in. And mm. I just, I sort of told them I was like, I used to sit in my living room and cry because I wanted to do this. You know, and like, I never thought in a thousand years this should happen. I thought my door was closed. I thought the window was shut. You know, I was like, oh yeah, I'm past the point of that happening. There's a lot to unpack there. I mean, first of all, let's yeah. get back to the good part. Like, why did, why was that show in Stockholm so amazing? What was it about that one particular night? It just, moment? there was so much love in that room. Like, <laughs> I stood at the front of that stage and I just looked at everyone and they just, they just screamed and they didn't stop. And I didn't even say anything. I just kept looking around and every like, every time it, it became mm. so long that they were screaming, they just kept going. That's why I asked the question. I mean, it is a really tough question to ask any artist, like how does it feel when you're at this point where it's about to go gangbusters, but you know, it's going gang. Like it this, like this is all is. I keep hearing about yeah. at these shows where it's like that every single night. It feels like every show of this tour, and we've only done six shows so far of this European tour. And every show feels like the the final show. <laughs> like Billy's sort of <laughs> speech and thank yous at the end of the show, like like everybody chokes up and the crowd is like, you look out and everybody's eyes are shining. We've been choking up at like every show. And they all feel like, this is it. This is the, le-, you know what I mean? Like they feel like a farewell yeah. tour. And in a weird way, it kind of is because although it's like the birth of the album, oh, it's sort of at the end of innocence. It's the end of innocence. Well, it's the end of the and it's sort the end of, of is, the yeah. first sort of batch of music that yeah. we put out. Even if it stays in the set, it's sort of the end of like yeah. this, the end of the era. Like we're playing, yeah. we've played every song that we have out every night right mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. because we only have sixteen songs out. And mm-hmm. so, as soon as the album launches and it's crafting a set out of that, I think it'll be very different. But it does have this kind of feeling of like, and the tours went on sale long enough ago that I think everyone at these shows. Is is sort of lifers. They're like long term. Yeah. Well, it's probably the end of something special for them too. Because sure. as a fan, when you discover something that's really precious to you, 
um, it's hard to share it. It's hard to share it with yeah. the world. Yes. There's something else I wanted to ask you about that you mentioned, which was um, you felt like the door was closed or that the window was closed for you. Um, that will come as a surprise to a lot of people because I think they feel like ever since you put out Ocean Eyes and you guys put that out together and it, it, it's been just going one way, uh, at what point did you feel like you wouldn't, weren't going to get a chance to follow your dreams? It was before that. I remember... It sounds really dumb, but I was sitting, I was 12, mm. I think, and I was sitting in um, the like nosebleed seats in Matilda the Musical in New York on mm -hmm. Broadway. Mm -hmm. And I was miserable. I was like, I don't give a fuck about musicals. Why the fuck am I here? I was like, you, my mom wouldn't even, no, literally, I, I wasn't even with my family because they were off, I don't even know what. And I was with, you know, like my godmother, who's mm -hmm. like basically, my grandma, because all my grandmas are dead. <laughs> and I was sitting, we were sitting in the back, and I just was like silent, miserable, completely just not there. And I remember just falling in love with what I was watching, like Matilda the musical, when I was completely against the idea of it. And I just loved it. And I remember like at the end when everyone was bowing and then little Matilda got up and Everyone stood up in the crowd and everyone mm. was cheering. I remember like a tear rolling down my cheek because I just was like, all I've ever wanted is like to be on a stage and have people like cheering for me and what I Where just, does that come from, that, that sort of um, desire for acceptance, you know? Like the applause and the love that comes from people who are kind of strangers in a weird way. You know what's the constant for me, and I think this is really interesting, is throughout my life I've talked to so many artists who have who, who've said, you know, it's so weird because it, it doesn't actually fit my personality type. Like if I looked at me on a piece of paper, this job is not for me. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And yet I do it every night and, yeah. I, and I get something from it every night. When yeah. did you realize that that was something that you were attracted to, that idea of... Applause, you know? I don't know. I always liked it. Mm. You know, I always loved being on a stage and being... Was she a show of kid? ...looked at. You know, it's so funny. She was, but she would, like... She always had a, a beautiful voice, but she was, like, circumstantially shy. We'd be at a party, and mm. someone would be like, Billy, will you sing? And she'd put a pillow in front of her face and sing, like, behind a pillow. I never wanted to sing for anyone. I never was, like, the kid who's, like has to prove to everyone they can sing. Because mm. I never thought of myself as a singer. I remember mm. someone being like, oh yeah, Billy's a singer. And I just was like, oh. Because I remember growing up with kids that were like, yeah, I'm a singer. And they were like, Fucking. Right, yeah, because it's quite a stage school thing to say. Yeah. And Nothing I wrong with stage schools, it. but it's, like it's kind of like, I, I am a singer. Yeah, calling yourself a model feels like gauche unless that's like your full-time job. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. like other people decide those things yeah, about you. Yeah, other true. people decide yeah. if you're a singer. I just never true. thought that that was who I was. Yeah, I didn't point. ever think I did that. I just liked, mm. you know, I just did it without realizing. Mm. And so, you know, people were like, when we would be at like a, what would we call it, a grown-up party with our parents, <laughs> and then they'd be like, Billy, sing a song for us. And yeah. I did not want to, but... I did though, low key, and so I. Mm. I remember stuffing my face into a pillow, like he just said, and singing like "Happiness is a warm gun" or some shit. I don't, I don't remember. It's weird. You know, I, I think know. is really interesting. I think about a lot of performers too. Is that I think a lot of them, and this is this is why I think it's interesting about you. A lot of them, myself included, are much more comfortable on a stage performing than than in an audience mm. of any mm. kind. Mm. Um, 
I, I think that's like why a lot of people start DJing. They're like, I can do this. I can like choose what music gets played, and I can. Do you I know can why play I started DJing? Why? Because I hate parties. Yeah, yeah. So put me behind something yeah. where no one can talk to me. Yeah. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. I'm, like I'm working. I can't. They can't even see your I'm legs. Sorry, I can't. Everyone's like, yeah. wow, man, you must be like the party guy. I'm like, no, I'm not the party guy. No. But yeah. I like to control. You're working. You're like working at a party. I just love music, right? right? And I have to be social in my job, and so give me something to do. Right. Yeah. Give me something to do, because otherwise I'm going to stand there laughing like a ventriloquist doll for an hour. Like, gah, 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 gah. Yeah, I heard that. You know, and but so in a way it can be applied in this yeah. direction too, because I'm actually 100%. a pretty socially awkward individual, and yet I love having conversations with sure. people <laughs> when the cameras are on. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that I think is interesting though is that Billy is not that way. Billy is a is a fantastic audience member and loves going to see concerts. I think that's why loves. I perform the way I do though, because growing up all I did was jump the the gate between GA and VIP, mm, just so mm. I could be right at the front, just mm. so I could mosh right at the it's front. It's a really good point. You know, you actually, you do, you perform like a fan. Yes. <laughs> that's why I perform that way. Completely. It's why I like the shows so much. You know, some performers go out there and they're like, I've got to create a barrier between the yeah. audience uh-uh. and myself and no. a mystique, and it's like, nah, you're in there. I perform like I'm right in the pit, and I, I try to make everyone who's in the audience, if they're not in the pit, feel like they are. Who know? are your favorite performers growing up? Who did you aspire to be like or to be influenced by? Who did you love? Um, performers? Did, yeah, who did you jump the fence to go and see? Young Thug. Yeah. Lil Wayne. Yeah. Um, Tyler also. Oh, incredible Crazy performer. performer. Unbelievable. Unreal. I mean, just, I, I, I'm becoming a broken record about the odd future influence. No, it's it's unreal. They changed everything. It's unreal. You know, not, not just in terms of this kind of like unbridled creativity and this fearlessness, but also the fact that they did it independent. Yeah. They showed kids that you didn't have to play by the rules, right? You could just go and make these really intense skate videos and put music on them. and mm-hmm. They were incredibly influential, right? Mm-hmm. Especially growing up in California. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They felt and like they were down the street. Yeah. Influential in like every single place, like fashion, music, mm. attitude, mm. and like style. It was, it was kind of insane to watch. I mean, like I was t- so little when it was all happening, but. <laughs> Did you have to smuggle like, cause that stuff was intense. Like I can't imagine you're gonna be like, running into the living room. Well, maybe you are, and I'm underestimating your family vibe, but I'd imagine running into the living room and plugging in your phone and saying, watch this video for Yonkers. Like, <laughs> like it's like... But I did that, though. Because uh-huh. I was always interested in videos and, like, crazy visuals, and I thought Yonkers was, like, out of this world. It is I, out of this world. I'm just, I'm I'm just like, it's interesting. Like, how would the family dynamic deal with that kind of influence on a kid, on someone at your age at that moment in time? Yeah. I mean, that's a good question, because... I don't really remember. I just remember being so excited about mm. 3005 by Childish Gambino. Mm. That video just like blew my mind. I remember showing everyone. And it's the sweatpants video and like the sober video and everything. Mm. Like, mm. Uh, What I was remember. the music you hid from your parents like growing up? Do you yeah, know what I mean? Like, was there stuff that you were like, oh my God, I'm listening to this with headphones? That's what I'm trying to get to there. because it sounds like you grew up in such an open environment in terms of creative. Yeah. Like anything creative goes. No matter how old you are, just go for it, right? <laughs> But what didn't? <laughs> I'm trying to think. Billy's kind of an open book. It's I'm pretty, incredible. pretty. I don't really keep things to myself. Yeah. A lot of the time, I have now from the internet because I realized that they're not into that. Um, but yeah. Who, who's not into it? The internet. The internet just doesn't take um, opinions very well. Well, it's because it has a lot of opinions, yes, and exactly. so that's the you know exactly. But I'm. It's called, in, it's called democratization it, yes, of opinion. Uh-huh. But in real life, I've always kind of just said 
the things I'm thinking and done the things I wanted to do and like never really hid. I think when when there were times when I probably should have, you know, maybe mm-hmm. I listened to Waka Flocka in the car with my mom and dad and like mm-hmm. not the clean versions, like when I was like 12 and stuff. Hard in the Paint was just blaring <laughs> with all my friends and they'd be like, this is scary. And you know, it's like, it wasn't to me. You know you're like onto something when your friends are intimidated by what you're playing. <laughs> yes. you know? Not your parents, but your friends yeah. are like, I'm not sure. that. I'm what about you though, Phineas? What were you hiding? I think just like anything, like when I was really young, like anything that had like overtly like, like just like sexual undertones yeah. or like super profane stuff. Yeah. Like any derogatory stuff. Just when I was like eight or nine. Was it harder for you because you were the older kid? So you were first through the door? Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I think I just was like, I like Harder I knew I liked. They loved you so much more. No, honestly, <laughs> for real. Uh, <laughs> let's have this conversation on camera with mom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, um, but no, I think just anything that I was like, I know I love this, but I don't. I don't know how my parents are gonna feel about it. You know, yeah. just that like the way that all kids are when they like, like I don't want my you know parents to find out because they just don't know what's going on. They was it intimidating like, for you wanting to pursue your own creative interests knowing that your brother was older than you and doing it and probably achieving things first? It was, um, I mean, there was a lot of, there was a lot of jealousy growing up from yeah. my side because, you know, yeah. he was... He's out there. He was out there. He was doing his thing. He, You know, he had a band and he would do, like, he'd play gigs all the time. He, mm. he was, you know, on all these TV shows that I liked and he was, you know... In you know everything, and I wasn't really, and I was really jealous, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. also like I don't know, I danced and I rode horses and I I don't know what I did. I just I don't know. I was always really fucking jealous, and they always liked him more than me. Um, That's so, so I, not true. No, it's so true, Phineas. No, no it, it literally is, and it's fine that it is because here I am. I'm good now. And it's and you know what's funny I'm about good. it, Phineas, as well, is that that's such a brotherly thing to say, an older brotherly thing to say, or an older sibling thing to say. But it's actually a very common thing when you're the youngest. Because I was the youngest, and I'd be like, "Damn, I'm never going to be good as good at sports as my brother. I'm never going to be as good at this, this, and this." It's a weird dynamic. It's do you like important- your oldest more, Zane? Do I like my oldest more? Yeah. What do you mean? Like, do you like your oldest child more than the youngest one? Do I? <laughs> Not at all, there man. There you go. Dude, I love my kids yeah, equally my without a shadow of a doubt. But exactly. I, but I do definitely see that dynamic playing out sometimes. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, first through the door, right. bloodied and bruised. Second through the door, it's all been done before. Sure. Right. So there's, it works on both sides. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. From your perspective, making music. Did you always recognize something in Billy that she even necessarily doubted? We talked about the doubt and the fear of not being able to achieve. Did you see it? I don't. I don't know how much Billy doubted what I felt like I saw in her, mm-hmm. um, but I, I definitely always was like, she, she's so unbelievably talented, and um, you know, like I would say, like super kind of cocky, outrageous things to her in it, like without much irony. Mm, mm. Like, I remember before we started making music being like, yeah, let's make you like a superstar. Like, I remember saying some crazy yeah, thing like so that. but it was so not real, though. But I don't, but... It, it wasn't like a real, I don't know. I totally know what you mean, and like, I'm not saying that, like, if it hadn't, like, if our music hadn't worked, I wouldn't have been like, mm. oh my God, what happened? But I will say that, like, it's never seemed, like, unbelievable to me, because I just think she's so talented, mm. and like... I'm like, yeah, of course. She's so good, you know? And her eye is so good and all her visuals, like her sensibility. Like to me, it's like it all makes sense. Yeah, that's what, so I, that's what I want to get to when we get outside is I want to start talking about the journey to the album because 
I really feel like what you've made on this album is just such an incredible, complete body of work. Wow. And not just to listen to, but you can see it before you even see it. Thanks. Thanks. Get out of here. So we've relocated to the streets of Paris. See, the kids already know. Always. The kids already know. Everywhere you go. You know, what's really amazing right now is um, the kind of audience that your music is appealing to, you know? It's your age group and younger. It's kids who are kind of listening to your lyrics and your songs and absorbing them in a really meaningful way, right? How much access to that reaction do you have? Because you make the music and release it. Are you able to see how it's being received by by your audience outside of gigs? I actually love like watching reaction videos. I think it's so interesting to see the way people interpret your art. And like, for me, I feel like whenever I'm asked, you know, what is this, what is everything overall like mean? What does this song mean? What is it about? I feel like for this album, especially with like Bury It Friend, for instance, it's, for me, I love the, this is my theory so much that I don't want to give away what it is for me, you know? Yeah, yeah. And take away the the opportunity of like, you know what, this is what I think she's talking about. This is what I think she's yeah. she means by this and all We definitely don't like cop out on, on verses. You know what I mean? Like we're always trying to say something. So I think it's great that people are trying to interpret them and mm. yeah, I mean I agree. I think I think the the best example of that is like anytime a kid shows up at a show and they have a tattoo of a lyric in one of our songs, like I'm like that's great. And they're like, yeah. And they give us like the explanation of what it means to them. Yeah, that's what maybe, I mean. Maybe it's, it has nothing to do with what we thought it was when we wrote it, it's but it's like, I'm like, that right belongs now. to you now. You have a tattoo of that lyric. You yeah, know? yeah. Which lyrics do you think have resonated the most thus far? Which lines do you see popping up or people referring to a lot in the songs you've already released? I think a big one has been, if I love you is a promise, would you break it if you're honest? Why do you think that that is resonating to that degree? There must be one you're super I mean, proud of. That one was just, I, I feel like, I mean, it just is what it is. Like, you just listen to it and it's, I think you can understand it no matter what your situation is or what yeah. your life is at all. You know what I'm saying? Does it surprise you when you write words like that, when they come out of you? Sometimes it does, and, and especially when he does, you know, because, again, like, you know, Phineas started writing music before I did, because... He's four years older than me. He started when he was like 12 or something. And he was so good immediately at 12. Like, like I still, I have his notebook that he wrote those first songs in. And like, I read the lyrics sometimes and it's just like shocking to me that he was, he was writing from this place of like having been alive for 400 years. Yeah. And it's like, it just was so unreal to me. And, and then sometimes it's true. I feel like I write stuff that I'm like, where did that come from? It's crazy. Like I listen to some of these songs that, you, you know, and, and I can't work out yet who's writing what. That's good. That's and I don't know if that's I the know. way you want it. Neither like, can that's we. The, that's the point. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the idea. We're doing our job if that's the case. Yeah. And it definitely is. Like I, I can't go, oh, that's a Finn line or that's a Billy line because it all flows as one. Grace. But um. But you know, the, 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 the effort I just think you guys put into making sure the narrative of these songs is seen through, like the detail of these, of these lines, like changing the words, not to nerd out too hard, but changing oh. keywords on choruses rather than just repeat them over and over again, mm. flipping them, changing the meaning of them. Mm. So I just feel like you go on this journey in your songs, you know, and then you come to the end of it and you feel 
complete, either completely sad <laughs> or completely angry or completely validated, but you feel complete something. Yeah. That's awesome to hear. I mean, yeah, I think, I think we definitely like don't, no lyric is, is too small to be yeah. concerned about. I remember there's a song on, on the new album called Zanny, and I remember that song had been written. We were, we were in Europe in February right now, a year ago. Right. And the song had been written like two months earlier like we wrote it in December, but we just hadn't gotten like one rhyme on the There was one the line, right. we could not do it. We mm, literally yeah. sat for hours. And we got it, I think we got it right in, in Oslo on like a Europe tour last year, but it was like, the fact that we even- What was the line that uh, completed the, the song, bridge, remember? The bridge was, yeah, please mm. don't, please don't try what to- What we already had was, yeah. please don't try to kiss me on the sidewalk. Down in Silver Lake. That was the line. Yeah. And then we changed it to, please don't try to kiss me on the sidewalk on your cigarette break. For me, like, there was some, I kept wanting to be like, I want to write about, I want to say, you know, how can we say that this person has cigarette breath? Do we say, uh, with your cigarette breath? Like, it's mm -hmm. not, it doesn't sound right. And I mm -hmm. kept, we kept having all these different ones. It was like, your cigarette breath, your, you know, your, your coughing on me or some weird mm -hmm. shit. could not do it. And, you know, please don't try to kiss me on the sidewalk on your cigarette break. Just, I know, and it's just it such... It hits a, all of those points. All the points. Yeah. So it's like, it really is kind of like a desperately sad image in so sure. many different ways. You know yeah, just I mean? the sort of notion of, like, just people poisoning themselves. You take 10 minutes to kill yourself a little bit. Yeah, and you want to share it with me? Why? Why would you do that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the album starts with uh, a whole bunch of exclamation points and probably the most teenage <laughs> thing I've ever heard on a record in my life. <laughs> it literally is like... <laughs> I mean, I don't know why you started your debut album proper with that, but hey. it cracks me up every time I hear it. <laughs> I think to disarm people. No. I think it was like it was like. Well, no, the real reason is because every time we would sit down to record, you had to take it I out. I had to take it out. Yeah, I was like, Talking I was like, this is, I was like, this way. is Billy's like Lil Wayne lighter flick. Like you know how like every Lil Wayne song is like. I was right. like, that's Billy's like, yeah. like pulling out. You'll the, get sick of that real fast. Though. It's not gonna stick like the lighter flag does. You're gonna be like, can we drop you know, the Invisalign gag? Because that's the no, album. No, we literally four. like we. Um, there was a moment where I was like, let's put this at every song. Like, <laughs> you know, like the Scar Scar with Tokyo. And Maybach yeah. music. Yeah, the yeah, sales Maybach. of Invisaligns have just gone through the yeah. roof. But I think it was really like, I mean, it's a. There's a lot and I'm of. Still paying for it. <laughs> Yeah. There's a lot of Still. darkness on Still. this album in, in sort of its themes and motifs because of just like the things that we've seen and, yeah. and felt inspired to write about and talk about in the last year. But I think one of the nicest things about starting it that way to us was like, I think you, you really get people's attention if you can make them laugh or if you can entertain them or amuse them. Yeah. I think you're, like things are more serious if you're laughing also. Yeah, you've been doing that for a while. I mean, putting the word psych, which I don't think anyone's <laughs> used since 1999 in a song was really funny to me. And then also like, even in the first song and, and Bad Guy, you know, when you do the da, like that's just a way of, I guess, lightening the, the, the fact that it's actually a pretty sadistic tune. Mm -hmm. It's the hope, yeah. Totally. And that's the thing about your songs as well is that you're not afraid to be mean. <laughs> do you know what I mean? No, for sure. For sure. It's part of human nature, I think, at times, is to be mean either in front or behind people's backs, and you put it in front of the entire world, right? Mm -hmm. Seems to be a part of what this whole kind of initial Billy Ash experience is, is like, we, sh we should have trust issues with you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? A little bit through the music? Yeah. No, for sure. There's a lot of uh, <laughs> miss, um, what's the word? I don't know what the word is, but there's a lot of lying also. Yeah. Like. 
on purpose. And yeah. it's like, it's not like how rappers lie in their music because they think it, it sounds dope. Mm. It's not that at all. It's more like, I don't know, making a, a character out of yourself. I was going to use the word, I'm glad you used the word character because it's a really hot word to use around artists. Man, I've got myself in trouble throwing that around before. Like, this yeah. character you seem to be playing, like, go yeah. yourself, this interview's yeah, yeah, over. Yeah. It's yeah. a rap, no, right? No, but we do that shit on purpose. Yeah, like, I wondered. We really do. And it's... Do you discuss the, 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 the attributes of the character before you write? Mm -hmm. A lot. Mm -hmm. Wow. For Party Favor, which was on, you know, the EP, like, that one we were... I don't even know what we started with, but I, I don't remember anything before we were like, let's write a song that's about you know, breaking up with someone in a phone call, yeah. in a voice message, not yeah. even a phone call yeah. on their birthday. Yeah. And then it, it, it really guided the song. You know, totally. it like gives you barriers. It, it, it does, it completely yeah. gives you... Yeah, you and know, the fact that you didn't actually announce that it was the person's birthday until quite a way yes. through the song is just such a yeah. brutal moment. These, I mean, these are brutal characters you guys invent. These are, these are, I mean, there's a darkness to your music that I think has really captured people's attention because pop music by its very nature is trying to capture the perfect emotion and emotions are pure, but these are complicated feelings in these songs, right? Not to overcook it, but you know it's like, there are some real dicks you guys are writing about in these, in these songs. True. Some of them are us, too. Yeah. A lot of them are us. Yeah. There's, you know, um, the song Eight off of the album, mm -hmm. which is a very sort of, sort of almost like... On your knees. SoundCloud loop type mm -hmm. song. Mm -hmm. um, that song I wrote from the perspective of somebody that I hurt. So that's not even, like, I feel like when people hear that song, they're like, oh, poor baby Billy, you know, she's so hurt. And it really was just, I was a head for a minute. I really was. And I, the only way I could deal with it was to just stop for a second and put myself in that person's, you know, place. And it's, just it's, that song's you empathizing, yeah. It's me empathizing. And the thing is that every lyric in that song is towards me. So, so it's kind of like self it therapy. was hard. It was. It literally is. Whilst almost helping somebody else out at the same time. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, how many songs? Let's get to, to some of the facts. How many songs did you guys work on or feel were near completion that you chose from to make fourteen on this album? Uh, Thirteen, and then we sp split the beginning of Bad Guy into two tracks. That's <laughs> that's the number. There was that's no. It. No, it doesn't overhead. surprise me. I'm always shocked when I hear I when I yeah. hear that artists wrote 70 songs for a 10 song album. Yeah. I, like, on one hand, I understand it because writing songs is so fun, but man, we we just want to get each one right, and we don't want them to step on each yeah, other. Yeah. We so. also, I feel like we're we're, I don't know. I feel like I've noticed that a lot of artists kind of just make songs all the time. They're always making music. They're always in the studio. They have all these like random songs that are half undone and half whatever. And like, that's cool. But for us, I feel like we almost never do that. I feel like when we finish a project, we don't have any other songs. It is kind of the anti now, like in a way. I think that now that the distribution, the way that you can get your music in front of your fans is so much easier and so much more direct. There is this thing of like, well, I don't ever want to stop creating and I didn't want to stop releasing. So we are just getting this kind of influx of a huge amount of music all the time. It's, it's very anti what's happening now with a lot of artists, like you said, yeah. focusing on like one song and getting it absolutely really right. But is it hard, but can you let go of a song if it's not working? I mean, you, how long will you stick it out for? You said you had, what song was it? Was it Zanny? That took months and months. 
I mean, that took so long, that song in particular. Like, and, and when the party's over, just to get, from the time that that song was written and then we were sort of playing it as an acoustic unreleased song live this time last year to, yeah. the, to actually being recorded and coming yeah. out was such a long process of second guessing it and trying to get it right and just well, also what i mean what you guys on. do in terms of like capturing them each moment is there's so much re reduction in the music it's so much about the vocal performance so much space given to the vocal performance the way you treat the vocals everything is done in a way that kind of puts the performance front and center and that's not easy that's really hard to get that balance right it's much easier to throw shit at it build 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 hey it's a big track you guys do it so differently. Like, there's so much... Like, even bad guys, like, there's not a lot going on in that track. There's, like, nothing on it. There's a kick drum and a, and a bass guitar. Like a That's, like, it. We really hone in on things. Yeah. You know, we don't... We don't make a hundred songs and then... Then we focus on ten of them. We make ten songs or less and then, you know, we, we build from what we have. We don't really make a bunch and then pick something. I want to talk about one song that really is, like, a... Like, a brilliantly composed kind of modern, unrequited love song. It's like, I'm not getting the attention that I need from you, <laughs> and I really wish I was, and on top of that, I really wish you were gay. <laughs> Which is the, you know, the name of the song. And um, just, just tell us the story about that song, because, you know, it's super charming, man. <laughs> it really <laughs> is, you. like. Thank you. Um, I mean, when someone doesn't want you back, yeah. you, you, you think about why. Yeah. You start thinking, oh my God, it's because I do this, it's because I have this, I look like this, I say this, I said this, I did that, da 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 da. It's all about you. It's all about you. You don't even think about whether you like them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like That's we're true. all so focused on when people don't want us back. And yeah. especially if you're in love with someone who's not in love with you, your mind. Can you truly be in love with someone if they're not in love with you back? It's I just think love is, it goes you know, both ways. I agree with you. I think I think I think we like throw love around like it's yeah. like, you know, no, where right. we, but, but you, right. you, unless you experience it back, yeah. that's true love. But finding someone attractive and right, charismatic right, right. and, and, sure. and uh, exciting to you for sure, right? You I can think get you nothing can, back. You can really, you can be in love with someone who is not in love with you, but you can't be in love with mm. them. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, because I was in love with that man, Justin Bieber. I will tell you that. And I'm t that was not fake at all. I'm telling you, bro, that sh We're not getting into that. I've done it before. I'm not doing that shit again. But um, <laughs> the thing is, with, with Wish You Were Gay, it's like... It's a selfish song. Mm -hmm. It's a goofy, selfish joke, mm. you know? It's like, I wish, for my own sake, that you didn't like me because you don't like girls. Mm. Not because it's anything to do with me. Don't worry, it's not personal at all. Mm. It's because I don't like any girls at all in the whole world. Yeah. You yeah. know, And if I did, maybe we'd have a chance. But as it turns out, <laughs> I'm just not built that exactly. way. Exactly. Exactly. Did you even for one second think like, should we write this? Like, is this? It was the last line of the song. Like, we, we had, we had the whole verses and Billy already had the whole chorus yeah. with, I just want to make you feel okay, but all you do is look the other way. I can't tell you how much I wish I didn't want to stay. And we were just like, what's the, what is it? And we had everything else. And we were like, 
I just kind of wish you were gay. Like, I wish that. I wish this, it could just all end. Yeah, yeah. This, I wish like, it could be like. Conversation I'm gay. Over. I'm gay. Can, I'm gay. Go yeah, away. And, this is not. Then, I'm not in this anymore. For your sake, you don't have to go through like explaining like what it is about me that you don't like, yeah. and I don't have to, you know, take it personally at all. And we can be so supportive of each other. And we can be friends. Mm-hmm. We be, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like, you know. But but yeah, I think it definitely like. We didn't want to trivialize. Well, I think it's so obvious. Something that obviously isn't a choice. I think for it's anybody. so obvious yeah, yeah. that it's not offensive, it's or not. it's not. It, if, if it's to not, me. I'm not saying that something isn't offensive. Obviously, it's that's up to whoever is being offended by it. But I just mean like, it's so clear that it's not an insult. It's not an insult, no. and it's not like, I don't know, I don't know, and I also feel like it's also you can relate to it no matter what. I feel like, you know, I grew up with this girl that was like a best friend of mine and she liked girls and she would, when we made this song, she loved it because, mm. you know, she was in love with a girl who didn't like girls. Mm-hmm. And it's the same kind of thing, I wish you were gay. Oh, I wish you were straight. Oh, I wish you were, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, All that. Bieber? Wow. Hey. <laughs> wow. Hey. Have you met him? No. <laughs> I don't want to meet him. That dude doesn't, and that dude does not want to be me. Me, I can tell you that. Really? So, the, so it's still deep. Oh, it's deep as. F- it's deep. It's deep, and I'm. You know what? I'm gonna leave him alone. He needs to do his thing. He mm. is, got PTSD running through his blood. Mm. I already know. Mm. The first question I asked you, right, which was the most, probably the most cliche, hopefully the most cliche question of the day, was how does it feel? This is the thing. This is the kind of, this is like, this is a rare moment when, you know, this album's gonna come out and if what you want to happen comes, actually happens, lots and lots of people are gonna love it. Like, you don't want people to not love it. No, (laughs) true. No, I don't. Right? So if a lot of people love it, it comes with this sense of like being on. Mm -hmm. Mm. And I mean, we're on right now, obviously we're doing this in public and there's some fans hanging about and it's cool and everything else, but this may not even be possible in six months. I'm not trying to scare you, but it's kind of a thing. You got a point. And you wanted this, right? You used to cry and, and when you were young and like, I want this so bad. Like, was it this? No. Wasn't this? No. I don't know what it was. Um, it's weird because it's not that I don't enjoy what I do. It's not like... I don't hate what I do and I don't hate, you know, I love so much of what I do, so yeah. much that I kind of forget that I do because it's all that I do, you know? But, and it's not that I don't like it, it's that it's disappointing. <laughs> Fame is not what you think it is. Fame is pretty disappointing. That's great. If I'm being honest with you. Fame is just so disappointing. But I'm like, I love it. <laughs> so Paris. I'm so Paris. I don't know how to describe it, man. Yeah. Because I'm... But that's good. The fact that fame is disappointing is good. Now you know the reality. Now it, I know right? the reality. I'm yeah. not... It's just... I don't even know. It's unfair, though, because I, I don't... Like, I don't have to wear it the way that Billy has to wear it, obviously. Did you want it when you were a kid? I think in the way that you, that you sort of personify fame as success. Right. And then I think as you get older, you realize that sometimes they go together and yeah. sometimes they don't and for me there are so many metrics of like achievement that don't include it but I just mean that like you know we've made this album together in tandem spending like days in a bedroom together and it's Billy's beautiful voice singing it 
and it's her incredible creative vision on all of the videos and all the artwork. And it is it is unfair though that I get to kind of turn it off and go to the mall when I want to, and she doesn't. You know, that's that's tough. That's the and I don't part. I don't take that for granted. I really am am grateful for that, and I don't. I mean, look around. Yeah, if right I here, you know where we are right now. If I go out, you know, on it's a not like Sunday can, in it's LA, not like I can walk around Paris. You know no. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I get to, and so that's like, that's tough, you know. And um, it's so funny because the dynamic is the, you know, the most common dynamic shift when you have siblings or best friends in a situation where one gets more attention than the other is that the person who's not getting the attention becomes jealous. <laughs> so it's kind of again, you guys are so anti, you know. It's like the whole dynamic that you have of like I'm happy just being in the process to a degree and sharing in the experience in a way that I can control, and yet yours is starting to feel a little bit out of control. Right. Super out of control. Yeah. Yeah. But this is what it comes with, you know? Yeah, you want to dye your hair blue? You want to wear some bright trousers? <laughs> <laughs> you want to, you know, you want to rock this vibe? This is what happens, I mean. I want to get, you know, I want to be successful. I just want to be successful. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about the about the the relationship that you have on the road with your family and your mum is here. There's always somebody with you. Obviously, that makes perfect sense at this stage in your life. It's really important. But do you think about what that will feel like when it's like time for mum to not come on the road? Would there be a time, right, when you you sort of grow beyond that? It has to be, right? There has to be. I mean, there will be a time when we're not always together. Yeah. It's just how life yeah. works. That was my next question. Sure. I mean, it's just like it's it's not something to dwell about. You know, it's yeah. like, we can't have this be the rest of our lives. We were talking about it the other day, which is like, we have to... Well, I'm 17, dude. I can't have my life exactly like this forever. And he can't either. You know, he's just become like an adult. He just got a house. Like, he has a girlfriend and like, wants a dog. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, <laughs> things that... We, I, it's weird, it's a weird balance because I want to grow in my life and grow up and have a life, but I already have my career. Yeah. It's weird That's because weird. my friends who, you know, I grew up with and stuff, they're, they have jobs at like Jamba Juice and shit, and now they're, you know. Which is great and totally Which normal. is, no, but that's what I'm saying, it's like, they have a job. That is normal. They have yeah. a job in some store, 100%. and they're about to go to college. And they're excited. And they don't. And they're excited. And it's just like, there's nothing wrong with that, and there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing. It's just different. Can you relate to each other still? You must have friends that you still can. Those that goes have, beyond jobs or careers or any of that stuff. Um, there's about two. And how many did you have before? A lot more. Lots. A lot. Nobody. There's only a, a few people in the world that can understand this shit. And there's, you know, there are some things in life that you just can't understand unless you see it right in front of you. Having a kid, having someone die, fame, and like... Heartbreak, probably. Yeah. Depression. Yeah, any form of that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, the coping mechanism, the byproduct of any of those things not working or going wrong. You just can't understand it. Yeah. And you can't act like you do. When someone you love loses someone very close to them, you can't say, I feel you. You just can't. And it, that's okay. You don't have to be like, I understand when you don't. You can, it's just about listening. 
it's, I feel like some people just try to act like they know. But just listen. It's, it's not about trying to up their depression. Mm. It's not about who's sadder, mm. who's, who's gone through worse. It's mm. about listening to people and actually just caring about them. So you're gonna tour a lot on this record? You're already touring. I mean, most people put the album out then tour. You, I feel like you have been touring. I feel like it's just touring nonstop. Um, it's, yeah. We have like a love-hate relationship with tour. I think the shows are amazing and Tours. wonderful to get to see the world. But I think there's it's a real feeling of isolation on tour. Yeah, especially when you're actually dealing with the things you guys talked openly about in this conversation, which sure. is like, you know, I don't want to draw too much attention to it, but like being in a, in a, in a, in a depressed state of some description and being sure. in a room on your own in a city you don't know. Yep, it's lonely. It's lonely with your whole family around. It's weird, you know. I think, I think you're you're absolutely right. It's like I feel so lucky to like ha like be with my sister because we're best friends and everything. But even then, it's like if we're both feeling isolated and we're both feeling yeah 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 low, like neither one of us is going to be able to reach down and pull the other one out from that. So, yeah, it's tough. And then and then you have shows that... Well, also, everyone back home forgets about you. And it's not like... <sighs> when I was... When we were about to leave for this tour, that was the main thing that was stressing me out and, and just making me feel gone, which was that having been on tour, I know how it, how it works. And I know that you leave. Yeah. And it's a little bit of your friends being sad and then you're gone for long enough that life moves on and they keep doing things and it's it's the same way. It's the same way as if someone dies, you have to keep going. It's not like, you shouldn't be mourning them every two seconds and like for the rest of your life, you have to keep going. But it's like, you know, I remember hearing like, we're not gonna do that. Yeah, you are. It's not like I can do anything about it and it's not bad. It's actually a good thing that that's how life works, but it's just, well, the so reality you, of it is Well, so you recorded so. an album in a bedroom. I mean, talk about <laughs> leaving. You literally left your bedroom and yeah. went out to the world. I mean, it's not like, you know what I mean? Like, that's, yeah. a, that's a harsh jump. No, we didn't, we didn't like, move to L.A. to try to make music. We, we grew up in, like, a suburb of L.A., and we made music in a bedroom. And then, we wouldn't have moved to L.A. to no. make music. The f we didn't, hell no. What the hell? I love Los Angeles, but, but yeah, I mean, it's tricky. And then, and then there are these shows that are life-changing peak life experience shows and yeah. mm. the people that are that are coming to see the shows you know make everything feel more important than the two of us and and you know so profound and, and those are the reasons to do it you know I think we often joke that we don't really like days off very much you know we don't like days yeah, that don't it. have a, a show or a, a component of that's when know. we really get in our heads too yeah. just time off is like dreadful yeah, when you're doing a show, you have that. You have to focus on that and to put on the best show you can every night. Once the show's over, that's you know you're, you're, you've accomplished your your work of the day. Um, but uh, yeah, you know one one of the last questions I want to ask you guys um, is why why do you think why were you why were you homeschooled why were you in a situation early in life where you were given a chance to kind of live that life? Um, Phineas was such a and weirdo, he would have been bullied, and I was, would have been a bully. No, literally, honestly. One, 100%, I would have been a bully, and he would have been bullied. It was like seeing around the corner of life. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. And realizing no. that. No. <laughs> yeah. um, 
No, I mean, <laughs> I don't know why our parents decided to homeschool us. I mean, we Do you were, recommend like, it? Um, I don't know because I feel like I'm too stupid to homeschool my kids. <laughs> but I do recommend it because I loved it. Mm. I loved it, and I. My I, kids hate school too. Mm. Kids like, do hate kids school. Hate it. It's crazy. But it also depends on how you homeschool because you know some people will just take their kids out of school and like make them be home all day, and that's mm. not what we did. You know, I feel like I met people who were like, I was homeschooled for a year, and I was like, Oh, you were? What'd you do? And they were like, I just sat home for a year mm. and did nothing, and it was horrible. Mm. And that's that's not how it should be. And it wasn't like that for us. It was for, more about specific curriculum and what you felt your parents felt you should learn. Mm -hmm. And what we wanted to learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because school, I mean, again, I, I, we've never, or I've never been to school, so I can't say it's bad or it's good or whatever. Like, I don't have an opinion really, but I feel like what I've seen is that it, it, it just forces you to learn things that you don't know if you would want to learn otherwise. From, if you start, if you're really young and you don't have even time to think about what it is that you think is cool, and you're, you, you're, they shove some shit down your throat and you have to learn it, mm. it's like, what if, what if you wanted to learn math? I think you're right on time. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of conversations about curriculum reform that are getting louder and louder because I think that they're, they're taking a look at the kind of the way that subjects are grouped together and the way that kids are being taught and, and they're tracing the, the, these initial decisions back a long, long time before things have changed and you know what's in your hands you just reach for your hand you know for your pocket you instinctively pulled out your phone probably for one of two or three reasons either it's getting a little hectic outside this interview or I'm getting a little cold and a bit bored or <laughs> I get it man I get it so but it's that's the reason I raise it apart from the fact that we're almost done is uh is because it's that's the instinctive thing that's like the protective trash isn't it is it or is it just part of the evolution of what we're capable of and how we consume. I, I honestly don't know. It's both, I really. I, maybe it's both. I mean, it's got a lot of trash on it. We're like, we're like communicating true. more than we've ever communicated ever in the history of the species. Mm -hmm. And we are... Saving lives. Doing Billy worse. Eilish, saving lives. We're doing, living. Lives. We're doing, we're lives. doing worse at communicating. We're communicating more and we're worse at communicating, yeah, I true. think. Because we're... We're supplying less empathy. We're being we're being more like braggadocious about our achievements and our there's there's no social etiquette on on Instagram of not like bragging about everything that you've achieved. Even if your whole day was terrible, but you went to a restaurant and paid a lot of money for a for dinner, yeah. you're gonna post about the dinner. You know what yeah. I mean? There's such a weird sort of like facade of of kind of. Yeah, we've become more consumed with the vicarious nature of our exactly. existence than almost the nature in itself, which to some degree bring it full circle, you know, kind of shields us from acknowledging these depressive feelings or these states that are very human. It's really true. Right? And we're not actually going into it. Really and you're supposed true. to go into it a little bit, I think. Yeah, it's really true. I think that's like, you know, I think if there's anything that, that I'm proud of to have done on a broader scale with the music that Billy and I have made, it's to not shy away from like songs about self-loathing and insecurities and frustration and, and, and that anyone would empathize with those to me is like, yeah, because we feel that way for sure. You know, I think that's, mm. that's when you've like achieved something in music is when, you, when you've supplied empathy for people. What's the thing you're most proud of so far with the music you've made or what you've achieved, album or otherwise? Mm. 
Probably the fan base. I think it's just a, an army of real people and open-minded people. And, and I'm not even saying I'm, I feel like if I said I'm proud of it, it, it almost sounds like I am the only reason it exists. It's not true, it's, it's them, you know? They, these kids come, came over here. I'm not like, hello, I'm over here, come, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's just like, I don't know. I don't know, proud. Why not? Well, <laughs> should I say it? I don't know what you're talking about. Proud. <laughs> we grew up, no, I'm not gonna say it. Here you are. I'm it's not the gonna end say it's the perfect it. thing to, it's the perfect thing to end on. Well, we grew up never being told that anyone was proud of us. Our parents never said, I'm proud of you. Never. Not once. Not once. And for us we took it personally. <laughs> and we took it like, oh my god, our parents they're are, not, proud, they're of not proud of us. But what I'm I'm I feel like I'm more and more, you know, I'm understanding more and more as I get older is that it was more like our parents didn't didn't want us to feel like them being proud of us was the only way that we could accomplish things. So if I said I'm proud of something that I've done, I don't want to say that because it's because I've kind of learned from what I grew up being butthurt about mm -hmm. and how it's kind of actually turned out to be kind of good in a way. It's like being told that someone loves you versus like knowing that they love you without having to hear that. I think that was their approach always, was like, we don't need to tell you we're proud of this accomplishment because you know that everything that you do is something that we're proud of and, and prideful of. And I think that that's like, it's definitely like translated into the rest of our lives of like doing things for the sake of doing them and doing things for the sake of, you know, being excited about them and, and you know, just like the love of, of things as opposed to pleasing other people. Yeah, this, oh, this is the outro. This is like when there's like a long, like a long Oscar speech. I've been trying to speech. repress it now for the last two minutes, but I just can't repress it anymore. You've been listening to the Billie Eilish interview. Watch the full interview. Experience her "You Should See Me in a Crown" music video by Takashi Murakami, and stream the brand new album "When We Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go" now on Apple Music.